like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is the second week of Subs Not Dubs, and that this is April 2022. Uh, our theme for the month, we are watching Subs Not Dubs, but what that means is we're watching movies not in English, because uh, we are trying to expand, always expand, our viewing uh, history and check off some major gaps. This week, we're going to be reviewing Onibaba from 1964. Uh, but before we get into that, I like that I'm looking at IMDb. It's not rated. It's totally an R, hard R, like very, very hard R. If you've never seen this movie, um, lots of lots of nudity in this film, folks. Uh, Corey picked it. Want that to be out right away. <laughs> I didn't uh, know it was going to be boobs all the time, but I so mean, many boobs. It's just like not like it's kind of weird. Some of it, too. But we can but talk about that. We'll get to that in a few minutes before yeah. we get to that. We like to catch up with how we've been doing and what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how are you? I'm good. Um, spring in Idaho, so obviously I had to turn my air on today. It got to be 80 degrees in my house, and I just couldn't handle it. It gets so much hotter when you're, like, sweeping, mopping, or vacuuming. Yes. It, like, automatically feels 20 degrees hotter. So, really, guys, I felt like I was 100 degrees. Um but and then tonight I'll probably have on my heat because I had it on last night. Um, but you know I'm good. That is good. I um recorded uh, usually the bloody awesome movie podcast we do on Tuesdays, but uh, Matt's car broke down um yesterday on his way home, oh, and no, so Matt. he he had to wait for a tow truck. But that meant like we weren't able to record on Tuesday, so we recorded this afternoon, and. Um, I did mess up the name of the podcast, but I did mess up our flow at the beginning because I, I did go um, with me as always. And that is something I use for you. And I don't think I use I don't believe I say it on vamp, but I did today. And I was like, oh, no, and I wonder if Matt caught it. And I didn't bring it up in the podcast. But like I like I curved it into our normal things. I'm like with me as always from across the pond, because I always say from across the pond because it's a big part of the podcast. Like it is. It's a lot of work scheduling five hours apart like it's already enough with just the two hour difference that you and i have but five hours is like matt's giving up late nights like we today especially Ugh. i think we were recording till almost midnight his time like we were it was a very late episode old. and so like i always feel you know bad that because he has to he's the one usually sacrificing time because it's like really late for him where it's, and it's like in the weird time for me because it's like four thirty-five when we usually start recording but i was off my game i think because i knew i was recording tonight and i, I was just like oh man oh but I, I i saved it but in it listeners who listen to both shows uh notice that if you if you do i i don't believe i usually say with me as always for matt um the other thing with that too is we matt and i switch back and forth with the uh the who's the host for the episode mm. and so i don't always intro either so that's the other curveball like today i was like oh, oh i got intro and then um yeah, it just it just oof. Uh, a little behind the scenes there, folks. But um, I, I I had we had a weird day at work too, so maybe that also threw me off because uh, we had some testing going on, so like half the day was like abnormal. I did I got very very lucky. I had a very simple day today because I had a group of juniors. I was supposed to have like twenty five juniors, but a lot of them 
didn't come to school because they knew there was testing going on. And for me, uh, they weren't testing. They were taking a practice uh, ACT test. And so it was very relaxed and like chill. Um, but it was even more chill because I only had like 10 kids and uh, I teach like four of them. So like they're, they're at, usually if they're a junior and they have me, they've had me for three years. Not always, but a lot of the time. And so like I knew the juniors really well and they were super chill anyways. So I basically for like two and a half hours, I was just kind of hanging out with like they're they're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. It's silent, but there's no like real limitations because it's not a it's not a test. Like it's just practice. It's literally like they could do the practice whenever if they wanted to. They're just doing it right now. And so I had like a really, really easy start of my day in, a, in the best way possible. Like if any of my coworkers are listening, I am not bragging. I am grateful. I took full advantage. I was grading things. I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of stuff caught up today, um, which is always great. And I'm, I'm in the middle of planning uh, for like the, the final semester. Basically, we're in the last quarter even. I mean, um, so I'm like, what movies are we doing? Like one group, I'm doing animation. So I'm like, what what version of the animation like instruction do I want to give? What movies do I want to show? You know, do I want to go like all Studio Ghibli or do I want to go? Do I want to have a mix of? Uh, things I really want to like teach Persepolis and uh, I don't have a copy of it. And it's apparently whatever I just watched it, but whatever streaming service I watched it on, apparently it's gone already. Um, so now I'm like, well, do I buy the Blu-ray? Like I'm making all these decisions and I, I had time to do that, which it's, it's not the norm for me. So I think that also threw me off a little bit. Like I had, but I had that free time, but then we had like crammed in classes at the end of the day that were like shorter periods than what we normally have. But I also then I still wanted to get my gym time in, so I went to the gym. Then I came home and had to record a podcast that I don't normally do. So I ordered uh, subs for the family tonight from Jersey Mike's, thanks to Grubhub. Or no, I'm sorry, not forget you, Grubhub. One, you're not a sponsor, and neither is the other one. But I used a different service. But I had uh, Jersey Mike's, which is our favorite subs delivered. Um, so wrong. What? Oh, because you like the pub subs. I I don't dislike the pub subs. I just think Jersey Mike's are better, and. I, I normally I order a hot sub like I like their cheesesteaks are my favorite thing on the planet like so that's technically Publix has a Philly cheesesteak but it's not a real Philly cheesesteak right like these are like they have a flat top they're cooking the steak to order and you can also I my favorite is the chicken big kahuna um which is jalapenos peppers and onions and then the chicken Philly instead of the steak Philly I just I love that stuff. I did not do that tonight because I knew I was recording and they, like the food would get here while I was still recording and I didn't want my a hot sub cold is defeating the whole point, right? So like I got a cold sub tonight, which was still great. Um, but then Corey, uh, at like I I didn't get done with recording till about seven. I ate my sub, so it was like seven thirty. Tomorrow, my daughter turns eighteen, and so when you're listening to this podcast, that was two days ago. Uh, Taylor is turning eighteen. It is crazy. Are you are you there, Corey? I'm. Just try. You're I so quiet. I'm just trying to like deal with that. Mm -hmm. Not like in a negative. No. Wait, but just so like the listeners know, I am old. I never talk about how yeah. old I am, but I have known your wife since I was like seven, yeah. maybe younger. Yeah. So like, and she's you know, a little bit older than me because she was, she's friends with my aunt and that's mm -hmm. how I came to know her. But so like, I've known Kathy for a very long time. And so I've known Taylor her whole life. And it's just like, it's very 
and like I don't see her often. I used no. to see you guys all the time, but I don't come home anymore. And now the tickets I looked the other day, it's like eight hundred dollars, and yeah, Bill and, and I both. The COVID discounts are gone. <laughs> like, but even when I flew home like five years ago, if I bought them in advance, I could get my tickets for like five hundred dollars round trip. And now it's like I was looking in the middle of October, and it's like eight hundred dollars round trip. So I'm even trying to be responsible and plan ahead. But like it it just seems like so much more and even more crazy when you aren't there like the whole time and it's not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you're when not, you're not witnessing it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's more jarring. Um just like eighteen and I'm like, How did that happen? I remember and she was really tiny. Yeah, and um Does she have any wild plans? Not wild. Well, one, like, she wouldn't smoke anyways, but, like, so many things have changed. Like, you can't do anything when you turn 18 anymore. Do you uh, have to be 21 there now? Too? Yeah, you have to be 21. There to buy too. Switch. Is that federal? I don't know. To be honest, I, I keep forgetting that it's local. I don't smoke. My wife doesn't smoke. The I kid doesn't want to smoke. It's just, like, when you're 18, that was the one thing. I always used to joke about that when I turned 18. It's like, oh, no, I can get I can get a cigarette. I guess you can still get a tattoo. Um, I guess you can get an ear piercing, which that's not a really big deal. <laughs> Her mom used to pierce ears. You know, it's not like she doesn't have yeah. ear pierce. Um, I was. But, I so helped with that. What we did, uh, one, we 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 did get her a car a few months ago. So like that's still like it's that was Christmas kind of thing, but it's still like it's still birthday because it was it wasn't it wasn't expensive, but it also like it was money. Like we paid outright. It's a big. For it. it's, it's a, a big gift. purchase. Yeah. And um, and yeah, you know, she's eighteen. But what we decided to do for fun, rather than like pick out stuff, we went uh and bought a bunch of gift cards like to just like and some like really simple things that we know like you always go to mcdonald's so here's a mcdonald's gift card like so silly but also you know like a few bigger purchases like here's something for games here's something like for victoria's secret to get your underwear or whatever um i tried not to be involved with that part of it and then um and but like we got her just uh she's into uh this one anime um both i guess this one manga called berserk and like the they have these very collectible versions of the manga i hope i'm saying that correctly and um we didn't remember which one she actually had so that's why we went with the gift card for that too uh but like so we just got a bunch of gift cards so it's just like here's money but in small like we love you type ways. ways and then a funny card i oh we looked at so many cards to put the gift cards in and then we found the perfect one and it, it was a wrench it was a, a wrench, like a giant wrench talking with eyes and everything. And it said uh, on the front, um, it's your effing birthday. And then when you opened it, it said, pardon my wrench. <laughs> Coming out with the dad jokes. And we, we loved it so much. So we were like, that's the card. That's the one. And so I'm very happy with that card. Um, and uh, and then we also got, we got a couple scratch offs because that's the one thing you can do when you're 18. You Hell get yeah. Yeah. Um, so some scratch offs and then the big, the real thing, we're going out to dinner tomorrow. Now we're going to either probably end up at Outback. That's her chief's pick Yum. or red lobster. Um, but, uh, so that, that'll be like the big celebration. Um, you know, it's small. We, uh, please tell we them have a small birthday. group. Oh, I'm a hundred percent. So yeah. they sing. Yes. I mean, you get free dessert too. Which she'll probably only eat like a bite of cause she's not, she doesn't have a big sweet tooth. What? Uh, yeah, like even if we bought cake, we would be better off buying like a pound cake than buying a cake with icing because she doesn't eat the icing off of the cake. Like she does not have a sweet tooth. Uh, well, it, she doesn't have a normal sweet tooth. I guess she likes Snickers, and so we did get her a couple of Snickers candy bars because that's her favorite candy bar. But even that, like, she doesn't like scarf them down like like what is myself. That like? 
I don't know because I have a mega sweet tooth. I wish I didn't have a sweet tooth. I am constantly fighting same, it. But life is to live. Fair, fair. But it, again, <laughs> it, it is sometimes like it is the worst case scenario. I'm like, no, I need to not eat the sweets. And it's like, but here's the sweets. And I'm like, I just yes. Don't keep them in my house. So at least it's inconvenient. Yeah. Or like I have found, I have become very big font. Wow. I can't get big the words fond. out. I big, I'm a big fond of big fans. Fond. Of uh of the quest like candy like like they have like a cookies or they have like a protein cookie kind of thing I I like those have become very very satisfying for my sweet tooth even though they aren't as sweet and they have they at least have protein so it's not just like pure sugar um those have come in handy but yeah so the the dessert at the restaurant will be the ideal situation um and yeah it's it's still gonna be like a small thing but it, it's a big thing it's a huge birthday uh she's an adult and it's scary to say out loud um and in a month we're gonna watch her graduate and that hit real hard just now um it, you, I, it it's crazy are you guys still doing the trip no i had to cancel the trip which really stinks because now it wouldn't have mattered but um we were already short a couple of people where it was like it was actually a little more expensive than it was supposed to be. Mm. But back in January, when Omicron was like running wild, um, California put in place where you you could not eat in restaurants without a vaccine card. So oh. for a field trip in California, where I'm responsible for several other people, if they weren't vaccinated, they wouldn't have been allowed to go into the restaurant with me, which would mean I can't go into the restaurant. Thus, neither could any of the others. You know what I'm saying? Like it would have been yeah. logistical nightmare. So most of the trips were either getting rescheduled or canceled. Um, and I just was like, okay, no. So uh, we don't know what we're going to try to do. We're definitely not going to be able to do something like that. But um, it's it was disappointing. The few kids that I did have that were going are also disappointed. But yeah, um, and I, I really want to go to LA one day, but for now, not, not the cards. That said, uh, let's that's a that's what's been going on in our personal lives. Let's get into what we've been watching. Corey, uh, you want to go first or second this week? I'll go first. Um, so I kind of messaged you about this because I felt like you needed to know. But oh. um, on Shutter right now, they have a movie i think it's called the last thing mary saw and i'm pretty sure it's a uh, shutter original and it has rory culkin in it oh yes his name to me is so hard to say rory rory culkin it's like so much you you gotta say it like a valley girl it's like rory culkin and then you're good no it, it flows that way though. it's rory. like perfect it's, for that it's so hard to say it i don't know it just as to me but um so he's in that i haven't watched that one yet but i will be oh. um but i did watch we're big fans very big fans so the selling point of the movie that i did watch which was night's end um i was just scrolling through i was like i want to watch a movie on shutter um i watched that because it has michael shannon in it it's a small part but that's fine because i just really love him um it's an okay movie. Nobody oh. needs to watch it unless you're a big Michael Shannon fan. But even, you know, it's not. It, I There are better movies to watch. But And then we went to the movies because I love my husband and he never wants to go to the movies. And he wanted to see Morbius and goodness help my soul. And so did my one of my friends. So I was like, you guys can't expect me to see it twice. So we're going to go all together. Yeah, 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 that's definitely not one to see twice. Um, uh, So... 
Matt and I, that's what our podcast was on today. It was on Morbius. Um, neither of us liked the movie, but neither of us hated it. Like we kind of, not that we expected to, but like based on a lot of the criticism and reviews, we thought it was gonna be like one of the worst movies we've ever seen. And it was more like, I thought it was pretty boring. Yeah, but that's not the worst movie. Like I've seen way worse movies than boring. Boring is like, ah, what? it didn't grab me. But at the same time, like it's, it has flaws. It's not like a flawless, boring movie where it's like, oh, there's nothing to complain about. There's definitely stuff to nitpick and complain about. But honestly, I thought Jared Leto and Matt Smith were having fun doing it. And like, so they at least were like engaging. But yeah, the, there's a lot in the movie that you could have trimmed out and put in better stuff. And that's what I felt was so disappointing about it. It was like, I see so much where if they had focused on this element or if they had done this or if they'd made this into like a universal horror style, like, like yes it's superhero but like it really isn't vampires exist outside of superheroes you don't have to make it a comic book movie focus in on it being more of like a dracula type movie and it could have been really really compelling and it it isn't but yeah not i'm this i've already reviewed morbius i don't want to talk too much about if you want to hear my whole thoughts listeners check out bloody awesome movie podcast uh dropping two days previous and you will uh, hear my thoughts um yeah so there's there's just something about Jared Leto too though that's just very off putting to me. Like like I liked him. I thought he did a really good job in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I love that movie. I don't really know where other people stand on it. I don't really care. I love that movie and I can just watch it and watch it and watch it. And I think that he is good in that, but he also isn't on the screen a lot. And there's just something about him that just he doesn't seem like a real person. Like is he a hologram? Is he, you know, I don't know. You know what I yeah, mean? I, I do. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm not a big Jared Leto fan by any means. Um, but I thought Same. he was better in this than like in House of Gucci, for example. Oh, see, I didn't, I had no pull to see that movie at all. Um, yeah. And you shouldn't, it's not good. So Even Lady Gaga it. tries. Um, she, she's not bad. It's just like the movie's yeah. bad around her. So around it just her. doesn't work. Um, and that is pretty much all I've been watching besides the movie of the weekend. Yeah. And the office. Yeah. Always. You, yeah. Cause I, like, I saw a lot of episodes were like started or like partially watched. Um, the, uh... <laughs> Voodoo's kind of dumb though, because like, yeah, sometimes you have finished it and it's like, no, no, you still have more to watch. And it's like, yeah, no, or they're like, you're in the middle of this episode. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like three episodes ahead of this. Thank you. But yeah, you always know. I often know, yeah, it, that's not untrue. Like, um, Audrey has problems. No, no. Uh, rewatching things, although I have seen some claims that it's a sign of mental health issues, I don't believe that. Um, that's preposterous. Uh, feeling good about by doing something is not a sign of mental health necessarily. And Anywho, it's not like I could watch Onibaba while I'm folding laundry or cleaning yeah, my room. You really can't do that, right? Like, I, I like stuff like that. That's why I've been I've been watching Letter Letter Kenny for that kind of thing when I just want something on that's. Mm. Funny enough in the background, there's a few uh, little catchphrases of theirs that I'm going to start implementing into my day-to-day life because I just find them just so casually. Amazing. So the, the I always go in order because I use Letterbox Diary uh, and I just kind of look back from the last time we recorded and then just read up. And unfortunately, that means I have to talk about one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life right at the top of this. And that is Everything Everywhere All at Once, the brand new film by the Daniels, the new A24 film that stars Michelle Yeoh. Um, I got to see it uh, not at a uh, not at a critic screening, although um, A24 did give a, a bunch of a critics uh, 
tickets to see it, but it was an open screening to the public. It was a packed house at the IMAX theater at the Point Orlando, which is one of the big IMAX theaters. And um, a lot of the critics, I'm a member of the Central, the Critics Association of Central Florida, that uh, Big Tuna, we've talked about, he's been on the show before, um, helped uh, found, and that's the only reason I got invited to be a part of this group of awesome critics, uh, all based out of Orlando, this area. And um, it's been a privilege and I've got to see several movies with them over the last couple of months. And we, we did our own awards and we, you know, that was a big deal. So I've, I've worked with these guys a lot and I have yet to see any movie with them where everybody was on the same page, you know, like matrix resurrections. Like I loved it. Most of the critics hated it. There was like one or two other people who were like, yes. And then everyone was like, ah, oh, it's trash. And that's been kind of the experience, not to criticize them, but we like, we've yet to all be like, exact same mode until this movie and i watched this film and i was watching it thinking to myself i think i'm in love with this like i don't think i've ever been this initially just like kicked in the stomach crying laughing every feeling you know it's so weird it's not going to work for everybody and yet it seems to be working for everybody like it is getting huge buzz I have seen several people say exactly what I'm saying. Like they saw this movie. Like, I think this is one of my favorite movies. I feel like I got to be in a room with so many people and we witnessed excellence on screen. And I, I normally would be afraid of overhyping something, but I don't think you can with this movie. I legitimately don't think this is just hype. I think we have witnessed a masterpiece. It is funny. It is weird it is unique, but it is also so kind, so empathetic, so important. So of the moment in the best way possible, it is legitimate to its own title that it is everything everywhere all at once in this movie. And all of the critics from this group walked out and we were all blown away. And I think all of us were apprehensive that we wouldn't agree. And yet all we got to do is get excited when one after one, we were like, that movie was amazing. And again, good guys. I like everyone that I've got to meet from the, the critic association, but we have not all seen eye to eye on a single movie until this one. And I was, that only cemented my opinion. I went to letterbox and I started seeing critics who I, I like that I'm friends with saying the same thing. Like, I think this might be a favorite movie. And I I'm stressing this so much because there's a good chance that one, you see the trailer, you think, eh, it's not for me. It's for you. Go watch it. The only thing I will warn is that there are some, sexual jokes they are there's no nudity in the movie strategically um mm. but there are a couple of images that uh some people may not be overly comfortable with and an idea that definitely some people are not going to enjoy but it's played for comedy and i i found it hilarious um the action sequences are insanely good too like i just i just this movie shouldn't be and it is, and that's what's even more impressive. It is so great. The the oh the jokes, and if you are like myself, a maybe overly observant movie watcher, there's little details that I I was so happy that I caught on my first viewing, and it's not because they they don't throw it in your face. I was just like, I have studied film extensively for the last six years, so I tend to pick up on little little uh hints that the filmmakers putting into the writing that if you're observant you will get the payoff and if you watch it a second time and you weren't as observant you'll you will see it the, the second or third time and i was just i was so floored and i was really excited because i caught one and i leaned over to sean and i like whispered blah 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 i won't say what because i don't want to throw anything out 
And when it, when I was right later on, I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I said it out loud. Cause I have a witness that I was right. <laughs> like I, I knew it was coming and I was right. And I was so excited about it. I folks, I, I won't do this for every movie, but man, I loved this movie. Please. As soon as it's out in the U S uh, on April 8th, which means when you're listening to this, it has been out for one day. If it's playing near you, please go watch this movie. It is so great. And the more people who see it, the more likely A24 will make sure it goes everywhere. And this movie should be seen by as many adults as possible. I feel like they're putting out a lot of movies this year. I'm sure a lot of that stuff got delayed um, because of oh, COVID word. still. So we're probably going to get like a lot of drops. But yeah, this movie. Word, word. Oh, mwah. Um, can't wait. I get to see the Northman on Monday, so I'm very excited I'm about that. Pumped for that one. Um, so Matt and I are prepping uh 1964. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the year Onababa came out. We're prepping 1966 for movie astrology. So I'm watching uh movies from that era. Uh, caught this film called Grand Prix. Um, it's a, a movie about like Formula One racing. I thought I would have like no interest in. Uh, it's insanely good um it's long it's three hours but man it, it, you don't feel it. it it is intense uh the actual actors are like driving these they're actually f3 cars so formula three but they're still driving like 80 90 miles an hour and are like apparently really good at it like one actor um i think james garner i think is his name is like ends up being better than some of the professional stunt drivers that they hired and then uh you, you watch the rest of development right Corey? yeah i just not the newest season that yeah yeah that, a few years ago we don't count the new season. Um, but the the mom, this she's in Grand Prix is like a like a twenty something. Um, and I was just like, wow, I've never seen her in anything outside of Arrested Development. So it was really cool seeing her like in another role. Um, yeah, really cool movie. Definitely worth checking out. Saw Morbius. Already gave my thoughts on that. Uh, caught this new film that stars Jason Segel, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Collins on Netflix called Windfall. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's got a Hitchcockian type thriller vibe. And you get these three uh, very talented actors. I really think uh, of the three, Lily Collins maybe is the most un- unappreciated, but I think she's really good here and she gets to shine in some, <laughs> some cool ways. Um, I, I think Jason Siegel is so underrated as an actor. I think oh. people think of him only as his comedic self. And he's funny. I love like his comedies work for me, but he can bring drama and seriousness and intensity. And then you add in that he's kind of this giant that he's intimidating by nature just because he's so big. And yet he brings empathy and pathos to his, his characters. And I think he's really, really good in this. And Plemons has just proven to be like, uh, I mean, we were all so devastated when we lost Philip Seymour Hoffman for multiple reasons, but Plemons has really stepped into that role where he's just a chameleon. He can play any type of character. Um, He doesn't mind being weird, but he can also be very, very quiet and, and, off in the background if he needs to be like he just fits the movie that he's in and he is tremendous in everything he's really good in this as well uh highly recommend checking out windfall it will not be for everyone it but it is Corey. it hits the 90 minute mark boom yes. um so it's in and out and but it is a talkie it's it's three people predominantly in one space and it's mostly conversation but for me it's conversation with these talented actors who i get to see emote and do things i love that um and then the last thing I watched was the debut uh, of the duo of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon in a film called The Fortune Cookie uh, from 1966. Oh. Um, I had to buy this on Blu-ray because it does not exist digitally. Um, 
but I'm glad I did. I, I really like it. Uh, I'm a big Jack Lemon fan. I always liked Walter Matthau more, but over the last few years, I've realized that I love Jack Lemon. Um, between we did, we did Twelve Angry Men. Um, I watched The Apartment. I think on my own. I love that movie so so much. Um, he's in uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Like I mean, I just oh, yeah, I just love Jack Lemon. I think he's so good. He brings so much empathy to a character, no matter how annoying he is. There's just so there's such a human element to Dang, his performances. He was really good in uh glenn gary glenn ross he was he was to me the highlight for that movie like I, he was who i was really latched on to um i i love him and the i when i saw it was those two guys that before the odd couple this was like the first time they worked together and it's billy wilder who i often like his rom-coms i was all in on this is this is not i wouldn't call this a rom-com it's more of just a comedy but um really liked it and you could there's a bromance element to it that uh pays off pretty big at the end that i appreciated um it is it's and Matthew is great. Don't get me wrong. By no means do I mean to downplay how good he is. I always like him, but I have become a bigger Jack Lemon fan than than Matthew. Um, but I love them together. So it was exciting to check this out in preparation for uh, astrology. Um, that said, that is what I have been watching. Let's get to our movie of the week. As noted, this is subs not dubbed month. Corey picked this week's Onibaba, uh, nineteen sixty four. Um, now the interesting thing for me, not only did she pick this, she called this shot months ago. Cause I believe this was my Christmas present, um, that you sent me, uh, on criterion. So like, it was like, here you go. We're watching this. Um, which is fine, which is fine. Uh, I'm very glad to own this. Um, this is from again, 1964. The plot synopsis on IMDb says two women kill samurai and sell their belongings for a living. While one of them is having an affair with the neighbor, the other woman meets a mysterious samurai wearing a bizarre mask. This is a terrible synopsis of this movie, but uh, thanks, IMDb. Um, because right. it doesn't, you're like, how can we fit it into two sentences? Yeah, it doesn't establish like the woman <laughs> is the mother-in-law, and the the neighbor was with the the husband slash son, um, and he didn't make it back. So like, yeah, wild stuff. Uh, it's written and directed by Kanito Shindo. Um, stars, hang on, scrolling down. There can't be very many people. There's only like four four actors on screen at any time. Uh, Noboku oh, Otawa, uh, Jisuko Yoshimura. I'm definitely butchering these. Uh, Ki Sato, and uh, I don't know what the accent mark is on the O, so I'm definitely saying that O wrong. Um, it must be like Satao. Um, and then uh, Jukichi Uno. Is that the um, the one with the mask? I guess that's the one with the mask. Um, I'm not going to read the other names because pretty much everyone else is like on screen for a second, except I guess Ushi, uh, Taji Tony, Tonyo Yama. Um, he's in it at least three times. So he gets a little bit of screen time, but it is, this is a mostly small cast film. It's, it's meant to be very isolated. Um, I love samurai movies. Like that's a thing. Uh, I, I didn't know that about myself until the last couple of years, but the more I watch samurai films, the more I'm hyped about them. Uh, I got to play Ghost of Tsushima Shush- uh, on PlayStation 4 uh, last summer. This is the only game I've ever platinum trophied. I cared enough about the game that I was like, I'm getting every trophy. I'm just going to do it. I love this game. Well, I want to keep playing. I, and I've never bothered with like, and I love the Batman games, but like there's just too many daggum Riddler trophies and I don't care. So I've never bothered. The, I, and it was living in the samurai world. I was so into it. So I am. Um, was very excited about this when I was like, Oh yes, cool. And then only to find out this isn't really a samurai movie. It's a movie about samurai, 
but it's not a samurai film at all, which is not a criticism. I, I very much like this movie. Um, I didn't pick it though. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Corey. What did you think of Onibaba? Um, so I think that I talked about this before that I was really interested in seeing what other horror movies um, Criterion has. Because oh, yes. it, it's not a very respected yeah genre and guys i get it <laughs> but it's still my favorite um so that's why we watched night of the hunter that's how this weaseled its way into our lives but i don't think that this is really as a horror fan i don't think that it's the kind of horror that we generally think of you know um so I don't think that it's going to like give you any jump scares really or um I don't know. There are definitely parts of this movie that are terrifying and if you watch movies you probably are like putting yourself into these people's, you know, situations and that, you know, makes things scary, but it wasn't exactly what I was thinking about as far as horror goes, but I think that it I don't know. I think that so, Yeah. Oh, keep going. Keep going. I was going to say, I think that um, as long as you don't go in expecting a traditional horror film, there won't be any disappointments. I'm not really disappointed anyway, um, but just not what I was expecting, but still enjoyed it. So I'm going to read this uh, quote real fast. It's a masterpiece of horror and suspense. It's about an old woman who has only her daughter-in-law to care for her in a remote village. She starts to see her daughter-in-law sneak out every night, and she follows her to see where she's gone. Off to have sex with a man out in the weeds. This incredibly frightening mythological Japanese demon appears every time the daughter-in-law goes out. And the pursuit by the demon through those weeds is terrifying. It's a cautionary tale about going off and sinning and not worrying about paying the price. It can send shivers up your spine like a cold hand on the back of your neck, and there's little, if any, blood. Now, do you know who said that? Is it a person I know? I mean, not personally. This okay, is a. I was like, is it Big Tuna? <laughs> icon, it's an iconic horror director. Oh, is it Guillermo? No. Ah, wait, John Carpenter. No. How come um, when you ask me something, Wes Craven, you ask me something, and then I like forget everybody's name? Well, to be fair, like, there's no way. In, I wasn't sure if maybe you'd done some digging on this movie, uh, but this is William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist. Oh, Exorcist. Um, and he cites this film as part of his inspiration for his uh, take on it. And that's, I, I am not in any way countering you because I, I agree. Um, it, it, this movie takes a long time to feel like a horror movie. It, it is a drama until, well, so initially I was very worried with, with the neighbor. I thought the neighbor character was going to be, um, Hachi was going to be a rapist. Because he was real, I like felt like everybody guy. was going to be. It did, and I, I, given that two women are the central characters, I did. I was like, oh no, is this going to be like? And I was like, oh, Corey picked this. Did she know that this was going to be this? Movie? Then it's it's not that because she like actually likes him and wants to be with him. And I was like, oh, well, that's okay. Like, but and and there is like a lot. I'm like, is it culturally okay to like have unwed sex? Like in, in booty calls in the you know. For a, there's still a branch right now in the U.S. where it is not. It is not okay. Uh, there are people who would look down and call you names for doing such a thing. So 
but I was like, I don't know if I've ever really explored what every country's take on that was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know in the 60s in America, obviously, there's the, the free love movement. The hippies are happening. And, like, that's here. But I, I didn't. I don't know. I still don't know. I, I've read some things because of this movie. And there is some of that happening in other parts of the world, apparently, too. But it's one of those things where, like, I, I feel so ignorant about other cultures. Yeah. It, it kind of makes it hard because I... And I, I watched a lot of Japanese horror films like before I left Florida for a while because I was like, oh my god, you guys aren't doing anything for me, you know, um, like other horror directors. So I was like, so we're gonna go into Japanese horror, and it's so good. But like, you have to you also because we're not raised in that culture and we don't know all of the specifics of like. Like here, you know, like we're going to watch a slasher and it's don't have sex. Don't go into the woods. Don't, yeah. you know, don't talk to well, strangers. I, I While watching this, I started go, like I started seeing where this was going. And I was like, is this a proto slasher? Because it is that like it is if you have sex. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a slasher because as Freakin pointed out, there's no blood. In fact, OK, that's not entirely accurate, I guess. The uh, there are we do see a couple samurai die, but the blood is very tame. It's not it's not slasher levels of like buckets of of fake blood or anything like that. Um, it's Flashing like the camera, yeah, or, or yes, here it's a splash of red on there. It's like a literal like, oops, I spilled some grape juice on my shirt, kind of you know blood stain. Um, but we do witness them murder like two hiding samurais right away, which we don't know who murders them at first. Um, we just see a spear come through the grass, and the grass being such a cool set piece though like that's the thing the horror is there but because i was thinking of it as a samurai movie when i went into it like seeing two samurai die by a spear isn't a scary thing it's like well yeah they were hiding from somebody of course they got murdered like that's what happens they're soldiers they're like they're fighting or whatever but that wasn't what happened um and as that becomes more and more real and we see people like who are looking for help get killed um, and that we see that level of desperation happening in the the poor because that's there's there's a shortage of food they have no work their crops didn't grow they're desperate and that's who we're witnessing and it, all the men are gone all the men are gone except now Hachi which is again why there's that kind of lecherous like uh oh but then that again isn't that um, so there is that it's not necessarily proto slasher but in the sense that. Slasher films usually reflect the Puritan ideal that if you sin, you will be punished, and thus the monster comes to kill you. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis survives. She's the one they call her a prude in Halloween, right? Like, that's the thing. In Friday the 13th, the one girl who was kind of a loner is the one who lives. Like, and every time there's a sex scene in God, one of the Friday the 13th fine. movies, those people die real, real hard, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I did not think about it that way. Mm-hmm. God, I'm a terrible but again i have like the slasher genre is probably my favorite horror genre like that's where oh i my God. really and i've i've not seen several still mind you like i i say that having seen all the friday the 13th seen all the nightmare on Elm street seen too many of the halloweens um love scream the whole franchise basically at this point but love scream the first one so so much um love technically again another proto slasher would be uh black christmas um which isn't again technically one. a slasher but it hits a lot of the same beats and then My this movie Valentine. now, um, I, I, yes, I have seen that one. I have yet to see, I've not watched prom night and I have oh. not seen, uh, April fools, which I think follows. In <gasps> I love April well. fools. I know I need to, I should have watched it. It was just April fools. What so, I so I need to tell you this about April fools. 
when you watch it the first time, no, you need to be a hundred percent in. Put every Mm. your phone away. Don't let anything distract you. Just and I'll tell you why after you watch it. Okay, okay. Um, so uh I I was looking to just to there's a lot of horror on Criterion. Um not all of it again is gonna like some of it's like the weird horror, like a racer head where it's like it's horror, but it's horror for its like it's weird too. Um, Antichrist, which is like a really, I don't know that I'll ever actually watch that movie because it's Lars von Trier and it's maybe a little too extreme for my taste. Yeah. Um, but then you do have stuff that we, we've we watched actually, uh, like Cat, for me, I've, I've watched, I actually have a lot of these on Criterion, uh, Cat People I have on Criterion, Kronos I got lucky and found it like FYE back when I worked there on Criterion. Um, Kronos. Uh, Devil's Backbone I don't have on Criterion, but I, it's one of my favorite Del Toro films. Um, I love that was always my favorite until we got Crimson Peak. Uh, we did Sorry. Eyes Without a Face on this podcast, and that's yes. um, a criterion. I think, uh, I, the, yeah. The original Funny Games, not the we did the American version for the show, but the original Funny Games is on Criterion. Um, we've talked about many times, but we both want to see House. Um, or you may have seen oh, it. I have not I've seen, seen House. It. I need to watch House. Um, I need to watch it again. And then uh, there is a lot of Japanese horror. We we did uh, it, the Innocence and. Um, uh, the uninvited, which we we have on Criterion, uh, are on the obviously both technically horror, although invite un, the Carnival uninvited we didn't love. Of course, um, we just watched the Night of the Hunter, which is also on Criterion. Um, but there is definitely a very like it's much more of the art horror than the traditional. Like there's no Halloween, which Halloween deserves a Criterion release because that movie changed the face of of horror for a long time. Uh, Sons of the Lambs, uh, which oh, Rosemary's my... Baby. Did you see that one? Isn't that oh on yeah, Criterion? oh yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I might have the criteria. I definitely have that artwork. So unless they just reused artwork, um, I might have had the DVD on Criterion. Uh, but I would have got that, again, used somewhere. Um, there's a few I've never heard of. I need to see Peeping Tom. Um, oh, I haven't seen that one. Um, there's a few other Japanese horror that I don't know much about, but I'm interested in. Um, Haxon looks really cool. Uh, oh, I, I love the box art on that. I have it saved. It's on the HBO so there's definitely some, but it, it 46. Um, I, I wish I'd noticed that was at the very top of this. There's 46 horror films listed on the Criterion Collection website. Um, so definitely not a lot. Uh, but there, I don't actually know how big the collection is at this point. Um, right, especially because like things go out of print. And I don't know if all of these are purchasable either. Because uh, this is on their website, but it doesn't mean you can buy all of them. Because... There's a few movies that are out. I I really 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 want to see. Um, oh man, if, if I you forgot wanna, now. But go ahead. if you want to work house in somewhere, um, I would be down. I want to watch it again, anyways. But I would love to talk about it. Got it. Um, I don't know for sure because our horror month spoilers, uh, listeners. But our horror month is uh, Final Girl. I don't think that one qualifies. Um, or at least I didn't see it on any of the list. Uh. Oh, there's an appreciation video by Ty West. Um, so I did watch my Criterion Oni Baba. Did you watch it on the disc or did you watch it on HBO? I still don't have a Blu-ray or whatever player for my new TV. Oh. Um, so I watched it on HBO. You should just buy like an Xbox. Uh, like even if you don't want to buy the new one, you should get like an Xbox One. You can probably find pretty cheap. Um, and those are 4K if you get the Wait. 1S. Wait, Bill has an Xbox. All right. Which, what, which model? I don't know. Find out which model it is, but if if it's... when you help me with around Black Friday, I ask you about it. Like recently? Yeah. 
Oh, then it's probably got a 4K Blu-ray player, which if it's the 1S or uh, C- it's, it's not going to be a Series X or Series S because those are the newest ones. That's like the next generation one. Um, but okay. if you have a 1S or I forgot, they had another one that came out after the 1S, but both of those have 4K Blu-ray. Uh, so that's that's perfect. Um, okay. But I'm so not techie. I watched my disc and then I, I read the entire book. Um, that came with it which i haven't always done but i read the entire oh. essay and uh there's there's also like an interview with the filmmaker so i read all of that and um i i i, I it just gave me even greater appreciation for what i already saw i was already very impressed uh, we haven't talked much about the movie itself but we we will um i think we'll just jump into spoilers but i i think this is really great um Matt was excited when he saw that it was on my, my watch list for this week. And um, he loved it. Of course, he's a big, uh, he, the exorcist is his favorite movie. So he's obviously a big William freaking fan. So he knew that freaking had recommended this movie and why he had seen it even. Um, but it was like, he was excited that we were talking about it. Um, I, I was, I love the look of this film. I, I yeah. love the cinematography so much. And I, I'm, I, I guess after six years, I've finally come around where I'm starting to notice the score and I'm starting to notice cinematography a lot more than I used to. Um, and I, man, every, this movie, the sound design, like the wind blowing, the rustling of the grass, all of those little details are so vital. Um, and they pay off in some really cool ways. There's some awesome scenes of them just running through the high grass that are so, so cool anyways. And then how they pay off later it's just it's just great filmmaking great storytelling and of course this movie is an allegory it is about so much more than what we're just seeing on screen and uh like i don't fully understand all of it but it's it's there's definitely stuff there to dissect which is again that's my favorite type of horror i love when i can enjoy the what's on the surface but when i can start to peel back the layers and learn more and more i'm always hooked so for me onibaba hard hard love glad this is part of my collection thank you for adding it to my collection um and let's be real the mask design is terrifying it is scary worthy note though uh one of the things the essay talks about is that this is based off of a uh buddhist uh story uh um i can't think of the right phrase but it was like a a morality warning yeah i guess you could say parable um and it basically the premise of the end of the movie is the Buddhist tale. Like this uh, woman puts a mask on um, to scare uh, her daughter from going to this church and um, the mask won't come off. So like, that's where the, this kind of really takes its, its main thing. He adapts it and adjusts the story. And that's what the, uh, in the essay book, he is talking about how he adapted it. And they also do have the, the one of the, one of the versions of the story there to read uh there's different versions of the story um but it's uh it was cool to learn that too because i didn't know that particular tale um you want to go to spoilers yes guys from here on out we're going to talk about this movie in great detail you have been warned so um i very much uh enjoyed the look of this film for sure but the moment the the samurai shows up with the mask on and he, uh, you know, he's talking, he's talking some smack. She leads him to the hole, um, killing him, not instantly. Like, there's, there's some stuff there that I really don't know for sure what we're supposed to take away. Like, 
uh, she goes into the pit and he does seem to still be alive. Like he grabs her ankle, but then he's, he never, that's it. That's the end of that. Like there's a jump scare there or kind of, I guess it more or less scares her than it scares us. But like, she's like, <gasps> and then he's dead and that's it. Like there's no ghost or anything that comes back from it. Um, but the mask, like she has a hard time getting the mask off his face and his face is like damaged, scarred. Um, when she gets the mask off her face, man, that makeup job is real good. Like I was freaked out by her face. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I thought that it was interesting when he's telling us, you know, that we can't, that she can't see his face and that he wore the mask because he was the most handsome, you know, man in Kyoto. I think he said he was from, um, so, I don't know. I just thought that that was all very interesting. We don't really find out why he's wearing the mask, but he obviously couldn't get it off. And at first, I thought that you couldn't get the mask off until you died. Then it would, like, release, if that makes sense. And then, you know, the next person who put it on, it would attach to their face and not, it couldn't be taken off. But that's disproven, obviously, because, you know, the daughter-in-law is able to break it off of her face. But yeah. her face is even more damaged than his. Yes, it was eating away much faster. And so I did watch a couple of videos on the on this, um, and I did learn about the um, the mask and how it was used in. I don't think plays was the right word, but um, depending on how they angled the face, gave it different emotions. I think there was like um fear and it changes colors too which i thought was interesting but we don't see that in this because it's a black and white movie um yeah but yeah i do want to go back to the very opening though okay and like the use of sound in it because it was very eerie from the beginning because we are in the middle of this tall grass and we can see that it's like waving and whooshing around and stuff but it's like really eerily quiet and I yes. didn't know how the sound was going to be throughout the movie, but I just really, I really liked the use of the sound in the movie, which sounds dumb, but I just felt like it really no. made, you know, set the stage. Yeah, no, I agree completely. That's the thing. I, I think the sound is phenomenal and the sound design, the sound mix, it, it's, it's so huge to the atmosphere and to, uh, Music. Like, I mean, everything about it, it just works. And this, the black and white cinematography in this film is incredible. Like, there's so much cool, like, uh, I don't know if they're using a split diopter, but they probably are. Um, that's where, uh, to make two characters in focus that are on different um, grounds. So, like, one is in the foreground, one is in the background, but they're both oh. still in focus. Um, you, you can use a split diopter. There are deep focus lenses that can do it as well. So, depending on their technique. But either way, those moments look really, really cool. There's a lot of that where we have... The daughter-in-law is in close-up, but the, the mother-in-law is in the background. And what she's doing is just as important as who's in the foreground. So they are both in focus. And um, you can kind of shift your attention or you can focus on one or the other. And uh, I think it, I think re-watching this, you might see things that you didn't if you change who you're looking at. Um, because she's always watching. She's like in the background. And there is that, that element where sometimes we're just in the room with them watching. And that, I guess, we haven't talked about the nudity in this, which threw me off because it's 1964. And the first thing I was like, Oh, her robe seems a little loose. Oh, nope. That is definitely her boob is just kind of visible. 
that's is that an accident and then from there it's just like she's topless like a lot i mean do do people do women sleep topless like that because some of it was very just strange to me well so i i don't know it's obviously hot like that's yeah. expressed multiple but wouldn't times. Wouldn't you just be nude? Like not just your top? I mean. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know. Um. Also, like, there's a part where she has like her left boob out, and like the right one is covered, but she's clearly like she's cutting something. And then, well, but Hachi shows up, but she doesn't like try to cover up. Like she's not ashamed, and so I'm like, okay, maybe this is a cultural thing that I don't know about. Maybe it's not like, oh, we got to cover up. And we you're cover Americans. Up. We're we're prudes about it we are sometimes but i but i don't know because in other american films that have depicted japanese women they are always kind of like unless it's depicting them as like prostitutes or something they're always showing like they're always like covering up and like embarrassed and and that's again the flaw of watching an american film about someone else's culture is is it representing the culture or representing an american perspective of the culture probably the latter and that is again why i'm trying to expand my my foreign i don't know but i it is one of those things because like you said in america if if a man walked up and a woman didn't cover up we would think ill of her and to be fair we probably are supposed to think ill of the mother-in-law she she makes some very questionable choices when she finds out that um her daughter-in-law is now having an affair but it's again her daughter-in-law is under the impression that her husband is dead and never coming back. And so she, they, they basically decide to be friends with benefits, her and Hachi. Like they both want to have sex. They both are looking for a release from the stress and the anxieties. Um, but neither are wanting to commit to a long-term thing. Although at the same time, both seem like they would also like they're, they're okay. He does ask like, let me marry her, but it doesn't seem so much out of love as it does out of passion, but they're both okay with that. So he's completely consenting. But the mother-in-law isn't. But then she tries to sleep with Hachi. And he, like, rejects her outright. So, like, those choices, like, maybe we are supposed to look down on her. But she also gives a very, like, condemning, like, speech about a priest who says, you know, if you, if you uh, have sex out of wedlock. She doesn't use the word wedlock. But basically, if you have sex with someone who you're not married to, you will end up in a purgatory that you are, you're an animal, essentially. You are, like, this wild dog. Um, as a punishment and that's that initially uh they these characters don't have names for the record everybody like except for hachi but like the the mother and the, the daughter are never given names or they're, they're listed as kitchy's mother and kitchy's wife even awkward uh, uh on imdb but and we don't meet kitchy so or kichi is probably kichi um but yeah it, it's a really interesting kind of take on the whole thing Yes, which I feel like, so they're, they're stealing all the samurai's equipment, like armor and weapons and stuff, yeah. and selling it to Ushi, is that his name? Yeah, yes, Ushi. Um, to get food. And I kind of found it interesting also, like, he only gives um, the mother two bags of millet, even when she tries to ask for a third. He's like, well, you can have a third if you sleep with me. Um, and she does not want to do that. Um, and then when Hachi goes in, he like takes three bags of millet. He takes birds. I don't know what kind of birds, but birds that they ate. 
he takes a bottle of sake and all of this stuff. And the guy's just like, you know, letting him take whatever he wants. And I'm wondering, is it because he's a male? Is it because he's younger and stronger than him? Why? It could be all of the above. And yeah, um, that's true, though. There is definitely an inequality there, which is present throughout. Um, that's the the real the main reason why the mother in law is protective of the daughter in law is not because of like a love of her, which I do think they have like a mutual relationship and they seem to care for each other, but she's afraid of being alone. That if she runs she off with Hachi, she'll be can't do this by herself. Yeah, she won't be able to kill the samurai. She won't be able to keep everything going. Which I mean, she can. She did. Um, she just couldn't take on more than one. And yeah, it's like I don't, I don't know. Like I, we don't know all the circumstances. But we're still made to feel empathetic to them. Like, yeah, I actually i I never felt condemning of any of them, which I liked a lot. That I didn't feel like any of them were particularly bad or awful. I think they make some very bad choices. Obviously, she's they are killing. Like they're killing samurai who are trying to escape the war. They're killing out of desperation. Um. Oh. Listener, if you've made it this far and you haven't watched the movie, heads up, they do kill a dog in a very, very brutal fashion. And they it's not it's off camera, but it's not because we're kind of in the POV of the dog. Um, it's like slammed past the camera. Like, What's happening when we first see the dog? And I was like, uh, there are yeah. fish in that body of water. Y'all do not need to kill a dog. Yeah, and they, they do kill it to eat it. it that, that has been depicted in other films as well. There's uh, Bruce Lee's The Chinese Connection. There's a scene where he is rotisserieing a cat. Um, and then eating it off of, of a stick. Um, and, uh, so that is a cultural thing. Um, like, I, I, I don't know. It used to be a really bad stigma and like, it was, it was used for like racial discrimination and things like that. Like even to this day, like people used to joke about like, if you get Chinese food at a restaurant, like, Oh, that bourbon chicken's not chicken. And it's so it's, it's a rough thing to see a movie and I know this is Japanese. I'm not, I'm not ignorant in that way, but I'm just saying like the Asian culture, whenever a, a scene is depicted where they eat a dog or they eat a cat, I, I think it's bad because we have misinterpreted that. In, and especially because we hold dogs in such high regard, it is very hard to see someone not only kill one, but then eating it essentially. Uh, moments but also later. if you're starving, I, yes, and that these people are not only starving, they are at this is everything they're getting is like the potentially their last meal. They don't know for sure if another meal is coming. So every opportunity they get, they take advantage of, which, yes, they're doing horrible things, but they're doing horrible things to survive. And they're in this position because of samurai emperors who have no interest in the people who they left behind. They are only in and, and the soldiers what we hear about the war is that not only are, do the soldiers not know why they're fighting, they keep switching sides because they're just, they just are trying to survive. Or if you get caught, then you have to fight with whoever caught you. Yeah. Or, or die. And so again, you're just trying to survive. So there's a lot of this idea of surviving through the, the worst of everything. And what are we willing to do in order to survive? Um, so it's not that you're like forgiving of them or you think these are people are innocent, but you also, you do understand the desperation that they're in. So it makes it much more tolerable than when like three 
very wealthy kids decide to break into houses for fun and then pee on the carpet. Looking at you, don't breathe. Um, so, you know, you can create characters that are flawed that you have empathy for versus characters where you're just like, they suck, I hate them. And this movie, I think, does a really good job of crafting three characters. Again, Hachi, at first, I had my guard up. I Every man that we came in contact with, though, because um, Ushi, you know, yeah. I'm like, well, what's keeping him from... Just, taking what he wants anyway yeah yeah which sounds terrible but i don't i don't well, know when hachi goes there there's a naked woman on the bed too like so you know he he did get someone to agree to sleep with him um apparently and again uh does not seem to be treated very well because she's just like laying there um and you know what i'm saying like laying there and like there's people just walking in and there she's just naked still you know what i'm saying like he didn't like bother to cover her up so that Hachi wouldn't see her. Um, so like, you know, and again, some, some of these things, I mean, maybe I'm putting too much American idealism about sexuality no, it, into things, but no, I kind of felt that way too. Like she was just there in the background, like on, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously a lot to dissect in this film. I think there's a lot more we could even get into, but we have talked extensively about Onibaba and, um, I think it might be time to wrap up. Is there anything else you really want to talk about? Um, I do want to say this. So the director um, made another horror film that's also on uh, Criterion. Kuruneko. Oh. Okay. Which I bought both of them on the last Criterion sale. Um, uh. And I was trying to work Kuruneko. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. So sorry, guys. But I was looking to see if that was on... Uh, HBO also or somewhere you could stream it because I'm going to work that in this month too but it's not but it sounds like it has a very like similar set of like I don't know what it sounds like it has a similar with? story um it's K-U-R-O-N-E-K-O not CNS is directing I'm like looking I'm pretty sure it's the same director I'm not saying you're wrong I'm looking at IMDB that I'm trying to find it um I will have to keep digging. Um, mm-hmm. But, okay. Um, I I mean, we do always have the mint in box option. That's kind of our catch-all at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I haven't seen it. I don't own it, but you do, so that counts. Um, as long as you don't watch it before that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I really like this movie, so I'm definitely down to check out another one. And if it's on Criterion, then that gives me hope. Obviously, we have learned that that does not mean we will like a movie just because it's on Criterion. But um, more often than not, it, it has been a positive experience with Criterion. I would say the number of Criterion Blu-rays that we own at this point. Maybe uh, oh, well, it's possible. I mean, but, you know, um, even it's still a Criterion film. So either way. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking Corey and I are both going to say this is a must-see film. If you are comfortable, again, there there is a lot of sexuality. Um, so know that going in. There is... Uh, it's not too graphic in terms of sex, but it is like oh. there are boobs out a lot. Um like two two women's, but nevertheless like a lot. Like a good chunk of the film. Um most of like the sex scenes though are like a the dude grabs a boob and then it cuts away to, to the trees blowing or whatever. Like it's not very graphic in that way, but it is just like a lot a lot of nudity in general. Um 
I do think you kind of see Hachi's junk in one he's scene when running. he's running. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's not, it's, it's, it's he's like wide shot. You? Yeah. It's like a quick like profile of it, but it, I was like, Hey, all right. A little balance to the equation there, but very little by comparison. Um, not his junk. Sorry. By time on screen. Um, Oh, I, I, yeah. I wanted to say that Kuruneko, Kuruneko is listed as black cat. Okay. So it is him? In his filmography. Yeah, it is. Aha. There you go. That would make sense. Which, um, that one sounds like it might be a little harder to watch for the things that really bother me for uh, anyone who's been listening for a while, but I there still it is. watch it. Right in the first synopsis on IMDb, it has the word raped. Um, so what we were afraid was going to happen in this movie is the premise of that movie. Um, so, yeah. But I, I, it may not be super graphic because, hey, uh, Hachi's in this movie. Um, yeah, he plays the son, though. Aha. He's also in uh, Har- Harry, 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 Harry Cara. Dang it. I'm going to forget how to say that word again, uh, which I watched earlier this year or late last year. I can't remember for sure, but I love that movie. He's oh. one of the samurai in that. Um, so I've seen two movies with him and maybe a third later this year. All right, folks. Corey and I say must see. Uh, you can watch um, Onibaba on HBO Max or the Criterion channel or buy it on the Criterion Blu-ray and uh, check that out however you want to see it. Um we, uh, of course, if you want to share your thoughts with the movie or tell us about other things that we should watch, um, maybe in the, the sub-genres, you can hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey, our star two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club Podcast, we ask you to take a minute and rate and review the show. It helps other people find it. Um, and with that, we say keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com <laughs>